Welcome to Fans of the Forge. This is our wrap-up for Forge and Fire Season 6, Episode 11, Battle of the Branches Tournament, Part 2, The Air Force. All right. So let's get right down to business. First, I'm Chris. To my left, we have... It's Sean. And to my right, we have... Teresa. And our contestants are Mike Andriaco, who had 21 years of service, Darren Tolley with 20 years of service, Matt Pernis with 15 years of service, and Joe Stickle with over 26 years of service. So, moving on to round one. These contestants had to make the bolo, which was named after Operation Bolo, which was one of the Air Force's most strategic campaigns. It's a Filipino farming tool that was also used for warfare. The blade length had to be between 9 and 11 inches, include a full tang, overall length not to exceed 22 inches, and they must have a Sanmai construction made from helicopter rotor nuts and a 1-inch W1 round stock. So. Now, hold on. Yes. So the blade had to be between 9 and 11 inches. And overall, not to exceed 22 inches. So are you telling me you could have the handle be 11 inches? You could have a handle be 11 inches long. WTF. Like, what? that's insane. Yeah, that would be pretty crazy because you're talking, you know. It's then, like a two-handed weapon. Yeah, you it's, could definitely have two hands on But it was for there. farming, so sometimes maybe you wanted to. Oh, I suppose, you're chopping, you're chopping but. chopping trees with that shit. Yeah, you But, like, their sample it. weapon is, it's always like a one-handed thing. Yeah, it is. So it's just. It's just and this isn't the first time I've had those type of parameters, so it's just sometimes it you know, seems yeah. a little silly. Yeah, definitely is. Um, and, you know, Sean, you brought up a good point when we were talking about this before recording. Um, the first episode of this tournament, those guys just had to use some bar stock. They got, right? yeah, cool, some bar stock, plain, simple, And it no was frills. discussed because the challenge of the blade that they were making, they didn't want to overtax it with <laughs> yes. getting some complicated yeah. way of getting their metal. Right. <laughs> so because this is a less complicated blade, these guys now have to do a San Mai construction yeah. using ridiculous giant helicopter rotor nuts i yes in which construction i'm still unsure of it was a gear with a, a bolt running through it that you couldn't just extract easily from it i don't you couldn't cut through it with the torch you I, had to go to the chop saw yeah like uh, i i hammered the fucking thing off. i i really don't know what the hell the how it was constructed where you actually had to pull from it I just gave up trying to figure it out and yeah. just, just like, all right, well, they know what they're doing. Yeah, and even then, like, some of them pulled very little pieces of metal off of that thing to use. It still didn't make sense. And Dave Baker's like, it's well, enough. It's like, yeah, that's enough. I'm like, enough. how was that enough? <laughs> Dave Baker. I don't understand. <laughs> so for Mike... He started by cutting the nut into pieces, uh, but he couldn't get the angle grinder to do the job that he needed. So he moved on to hot cutting, which mostly works, but he still couldn't quite get there. So he had to go back to using the angle grinder to finish it. And then once he had his billets drawn out, he tack welds the stack to do his sanmai. And um, he just kept moving right along. They didn't really give him much air time until it was time for him to do the quench. Um, his blade, when he quenched it, was extremely hot. Yeah. Possibly the temperature of the sun. Right. Thanks, Will Willis. Was that Will Willis? Yeah. Yes. Okay, just making sure. Thanks, Will Willis. Yeah, good job, buddy. With your jokes. 
And then Darren, he attempted to use the oxyacetylene torch to cut the nut into smaller pieces, but it did not work. It just basically heated the nut up, and it just, it was a heat sink. It, he couldn't yeah. cut through it. It was just sucking all the heat into the center of it. Well, was he the one that didn't know how to use the torch? I think so. Oh, is that what happened? He was just, yeah. I don't know if that, that's what happened, but that's a part of it. That was happened. part of it. He didn't yeah. know how to, I think that was his first time using one, and he didn't know how to yeah. set it up properly. That's right. So it wasn't really cutting and Baker even said so. He's like, "That's it, he's just going to heat it up. He's not going to cut through it the way it was right. set up. And then f- he ends up just sticking the nut in the vise, getting a hammer, and just beating his yeah. nut, beating his nut, beating his nut with the hammer. And eventually breaks it off, and he gets this nut about this big, and that's enough metal for the sandmai, apparently. He's having a hard time with his forge weld uh, with the metal he took off. He, j- he couldn't get his layers to stick properly. And he just keeps going at it, and he's trying all these different ways to get it to stick. And really, he's heating it. He's overheating his metal at that point, and he's causing all this extra forge scale to form. Yeah. It's just not going to stick at that point. So Ben says to Will that he needs to start again, but Darren, of course, cannot hear that. And uh, Darren then pulls the pieces apart, cleans them up, MIG welds around the whole thing. Is this what Ben, That's is saying what ben to do? was saying to do? Was to to pull it apart, yeah, no. clean it up, MIG weld the whole thing, try, and try again. again. But yeah, that's Darren not what Darren did. Darren goes making a taco style with one of his W one pieces, and then with fifteen minutes left, he's still working on the shaping. And Ben says it looks about seven inches long. It doesn't look like yeah. it's meeting parameters there. At least that was a a two inch. Oh, that seems short. Not like. I think I can see a quarter of an inch short from way over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. For Matt, <laughs> the first clip they show of him is his, is him swearing at the nut because it won't fit under the saw. Right. I thought that was funny. Yeah. It's like our first impression of this guy is just obscenities and bleeping. <laughs> <laughs> he attempts to heat the nut to hammer off the mild steel. That doesn't work. So he brings it over the chop saw and then cuts off a small piece. He uses the stacking method for his Sanmai, but he does not wait long enough for the billet to get hot enough to forge fully together, and he ends up deciding to cut off pieces that weren't sticking properly. And then when he went to quench, the blade did not fully harden on the first quench and goes in for a second heat treat with four minutes left and proceeds to then drop his blade in the oil at the last second and he's staring at, like, the oil and the... He dips his finger, and he's like, it's too it's hot. It's too hot, but I kind of have to get it out now, or else... Yeah, uh, seconds left, he... Uh, no he one told him about the magnet. Alarm. He didn't go with the magnet. He just went right in. All in. All the way up to here on his arm. Yeah. It was pretty gross. But he got it out. And then for Joe, he also used the oxyacetylene torch, but it worked well for him. He was able he to actually cut to with do it. it. <laughs> and then... He was moving right along. He was ahead of the pack, basically. He was the first to quench out of all of them, uh, but he did pick up a bit of a warp, and he had some time to try the quench again to try to fix that warp. And then he went to grind the bevels and realizes he's got a pretty wicked delamination going on in his blade. But at that point... There was nothing he could yeah. do about it. He had to just grind it as is and hope that if he makes it through the round two that he could fix it there. So for judging, 
for Matt, Dave Baker was very excited that Matt was able to submit a blade after struggling so much at the beginning of the round. It looks and feels pretty solid. There's a lot going on in the tang, uh, but something about the curvature of the blade. He said, what? Dave Baker said something about the curvature of the blade that can't be dealt with. And then later on, it's the curve is in the wrong direction. Oh, okay. So if it's supposed to curve this way, his was curving that way. Right. Oh, I see. But you don't find that out until like later when he's going to fix it that they actually explain what the problem was. Okay. For Joe, he had a good bolo profile, which I didn't mention before. The bolo is a pretty cool looking knife. Yeah. Like I like the rounded tip that they yes. have on there. Seems like a, a, a neat style. But he had a good bolo profile. Um, nice. A nice handle shape and size. And his big issues was the D-Lam that traveled at least halfway down the blade. But it could potentially be fixed if he could chase that grind right. down and get down to the, the steel beneath it. For Mike, he nailed the shape with some delaminations on the side. And it looks like those D-Lams could be ground away. And Doug had some issues with the handle. And Darren, he had a major problem with the blade right off the bat. It did not meet the parameters. It was 8 and 3 eighths inches from tip to plunge line, and it had to be a minimum of 9 inches. Yep. Yep. So because of that, Darren gets the boot. And we move on to round two. Okay, round two. Our smiths are asked to attach a handle, deal with blade flaws, and the handle must include three pinholes, a lanyard hole, and an acid etch. Oh, by the way, you only have two hours to do all this. Damn. So, yeah. again, it seems more stuff to do right. than in the previous episode. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So, for Matt, he decides to deal with the warp last and flips the blade upside down, grinds what had been the, shape, uh, the spine into the bolo shape. Uh, so, he just did the curve that was backwards. Mm. So... It works. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what else are you gonna do? Yeah. Really? Um, focused is uh, his focus is having a completed knife, and then he's gonna worry about a straight knife. Mm -hmm. And looks to be making the most of his limited time. As he takes the clamps off the handle, it is seen that he has a little a little capsosis. Gapsosis at the ricasso. <laughs> Whoa, a gapsosis? Huh? Yeah, interesting. Atrocious gapsosis. <laughs> Uh, with 10 minutes left, he clamps it all back together, applies more glue, uh, not mixed with sawdust, as Dave Baker suggested to Will uh, to fill the gap, and heads to the grinder. For Joe, uh, he starts with the handle so that he can deal with the blade issues uh, while it dries. Mm. Does a hollow grind to his blade to take care of the delamination. Spends the last half hour making sure the handle is comfortable and then sharpens the blade and remembers right at the end of the two hours that he needs to acid etch. Yeah. So right up against the clock there. Thankfully, he remembered. Yeah. Didn't show anyone else doing that, but... No. Yeah. no. Uh, for Mike, he went with a tan micarta, ground on the tank first, plans to attach the handle scales and thin down the blade while the handle skills dry and forgets to incorporate a lanyard hole into his blade scales or I'm sorry, his handle scales. He has it in the tang though. So the holes in the tang, he just didn't drill the scales for that hole. 
Um, so he has to drill through and hopes he hits the right spot. Which he does, amazingly. That's incredible. Yeah. It's really incredible that he was able to nail that. I mean, you, I guess if you have an idea of where it is, but still, a dr- drilling anything, the slightest bit being off, you're screwed. Because then it doesn't line up and then your hole's too big if you try to fix yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, good job. Yeah. yeah. Luck was with him for that. All right. So, the strength test. Um, ben... Bashes eight times into flight helmets, a.k.a. brain buckets. Brain buckets. So for Mike, uh, and each helmet had, you know, a little nickname on it. So the call sign? Call sign. Is that sign. what that was? Yeah. I wanted to ask. It was the call sign for the pilot. Yeah. Okay. That's it. So Mike's helmet has rags on it. Rags. <laughs> and uh, the blade held up really well with no evidence that the edge had... Seen a helmet. Only major issue is the size of the handle. It was kind of narrow, round, and wanted to roll. For Matt, he got Covey. Hmm. Mm. Edge held up really well. Still sharp. Issue is the handle. All the pins have come loose, and the handle is not really glued in place. Mm. Joe got Russo, and the blade suffered some chipping. The handle is a good size and dimension. So, are we missing something with these names? Do you think they're? I don't know. Yeah, that's what my question was. Was first I thought maybe they spelled a word all together, but no, no. I don't know anything. Maybe some sort of pop culture reference that we're missing. I don't know about that. Or it's just uh, otherwise. And who named these things? Why would they pick these random ass names for them? Who knows? Maybe it's just what they found. I don't know. I don't. I mean, they're. These guys don't claim to be pilots, so it's not like it's their call sign, and that would kind of be an insult anyway. <laughs> if, if Ben just starts bashing their help names like off the <laughs> yeah. helmet, like yeah. So it, it was kind of funny too on the Facebook pages. There's been some trash talking going on between uh, yeah. the different branches, huh. isn't there? Always there always is, and uh, the main one for this was well, I didn't see any chairs up there for the Air Force guys <laughs> to sit in. I heard that from. I think th- that was what Tyler said episode, in right? the army episode. I think that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Somebody else said yeah. that in the Facebook group. I didn't see any chairs. Yeah, where are the chairs? <laughs> They're just jealous because they don't get to fly jets. I know I mean, that's pretty badass. Yeah. So uh, for a sharpness test, Doug cuts across sugarcane. Um, now for the previous test, was Joe's the one that had like horrible chipping? Yeah. Yeah, his it was, was really bad. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. So I was curious to see how it was going to fare in this test, but we have Mike up first, and his edge cut easily. It was light, fast, and sharp, and it will cut. For Matt, the handle has loosened a lot. A crack has opened up. The blade is strong, sharp, and it will cut. See, I was, I was, con- I really thought he was going to go. Yeah, home me too. Yeah. That was like when I saw that, I was like, "There's no way." <laughs> yeah. For Joe, it's missing pieces on the edge, but it's still sharp. He has a good handle, and it will cut. Yeah. I was surprised at how it It still cut. cut. It didn't get caught <laughs> It up. was missing some decent chunks out of that. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, Joe gets the boot. He had such a large delamination um, that as he fixed it, 
the thickness of the blade suffered and incurred the most damage in the strength test. I see. I don't know if I agree with that. I really, I really feel like the fact that that handle was like starting to come off should have been considered a catastrophic failure. I it mean, it wasn't. Come it off, didn't though. fully come off. I guess it didn't fully come off, but it seemed like that could have more potential for. Whereas Joe's was still usable. It still cut. Even though it had the chips off, it still worked. What's the mm-hmm. rules of the tests, though? So for the first one, it's not what the blade does to the thing. It's what the thing does to the blade. And Joe basically failed that test. Okay. And yeah. then with this one, what were the parameters? Does it need They're to cut? Testing. They all cut. Yeah. It's ability to cut. So yeah. I guess in essence, I don't want to say this test doesn't count because they all cut. Because what if the handle did come off? It would have well, been all right. It's failure, you know, you're, even it, though you're testing the blade, it's still yeah. the function of the knife. So, but it kept its function throughout. It, it the did. Test. It did. So, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. So Joe's gone. Yeah. Moving on to round three, where they made a U.S. Air Force non-commissioned officer sword because. Despite having no historical use for swords, <laughs> the Air Force utilizes ceremonial weapons as a nod to their roots in the Army. Based on the European pillow sword, the NCO is a lightning-fast stabbing weapon that can be unleashed with lethal precision and able hands. Its slick design is the ideal symbol for the Air Force's stealthy enemy vanquishing power. Um, so they said about 28 inches long. Later on, you see drawings on the floor. Parameters seem to be 27 to 29 inches long, mm-hmm. double-edged, have a ball pommel, and a lobed crossguard. They have four days to make the weapon, and by the way, you must also make a scabbard for this sword. <laughs> nah, no, you don't. JK. Oh, Will Willis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're cracking me up, buddy. Pile it on. So we head over to Mike's Forge first, day one. He makes Twist Damascus, which I don't know that we've seen that, um, or at least in practice. I know, like They've heard about it. Yeah, they they haven't shown very much of it, but so he plans on forty eight layers. Um, doesn't show day two. Day three is quench day. Um, he modifies his heat treat oven to accommodate the length, and it didn't work. So he has to heat treat in the forge, which is harder to keep a consistent temperature along the length of the blade. Um, af- yeah, but just for you got to think about it, that heat treating oven is not pushing heat no. forward. Right, it's, it's pushing just, heat down. Yeah. So. It was a good idea, but it's not the same way as a forge. Like you can extend a forge out, and that heat will travel down because of the way that the flame is is kind of pushing the. Mm-hmm. the or you heat. can put your whole th- you know slide yeah. it in and out. Well, all yeah, the way. you can't do that with doing. a heat treat oven, right? Unless you can open up the back, but then that's it's ineffective anyway because you're losing all your heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so after the quench, it's sabered, which means that it bent to one side. He decides to grind it rather than heat treat and quench it again. It's probably smart because bad things happen when they have to do more than one quench. And we've seen before where you can, if you grind it this, a certain way, you can cause it to straighten itself back out. Like, not that you're grinding the material to make it straight, but that the heat from the grind ends up pulling mm. the forces back the other way. So, yeah, it could work. And on day four, he still needs to finish the pommel and the cross guard, and he hasn't even started the handle yet. So, a lot of work to do on day four. Um, Matt, day one, he's using 1084 round stock. He measures 35 inches on the floor to make sure that he has the correct length plus extra for pommel and guard, which I thought was a good idea. Um, they didn't show day two. Day three is the quench. He picked up a warp, quenched again, and it still had a warp, decided to just leave it and move on. 
And then day four, he still needs to get the cross guard fitted up, the handle shaped and wrapped with wire, and assemble the pommel. All right, so then they go in for testing, which is another ballistics dummy kill test. Um, for Mike's, you know, Doug does his thing. He stops, and then an organ falls out. Yeah, which was <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. I'm, I find that I noticed in watching these two episodes back to back with two ballistics dummy it's kill tests, he doesn't test. No, he does it the same movement though. He was like he did like the same. No, movements. he didn't. He didn't do the the shoulder slice like he did no. in the first one, and he spent way more time swinging into the gut yeah. of this one. So like, and then he only did one swing, like one, not even a swing. He just went like sliced. At the throat, whereas for the previous episode, he swung at the throat. And, like, so he changes yeah. it up. Okay. Um, so Mike's sword was very light. The tip allows for nice thrusts. The edge slices nicely, and it will kill. For Matt, the edge is very sharp. The point punctures nicely, and it will also kill. The strength test is um, Ben bashing into a propeller ten times. So for Mike, um, he breaks ends up breaking off one of the propeller blades. Mm -hmm. The blade held up great. The only issue is that Ben would like the pommel to be a bit bigger. It's a nice weight and as sharp as at the start. Well done. And then for Matt, he, uh, his broke off two of the propeller blades. The blade held up great. It's still sharp. It's a heavier sword than Mike's and everything below the cross guard has kind of a problem. <laughs> um, the cross guard itself is loose and the wire wrap around the handle is also loose. Yeah, that's not good. For the sharpness test, it's Doug cutting across the parachute harness, which um, I think was from the Army episode, round two, that they didn't get to do. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of recycled the test. Okay. And they're looking for clean cuts on these parachute harness cords. Mm -hmm. All right, so for Mike, it was... Light in flight and sharp enough to cut through the harness, it will cut. It cut all three places. And then for Matt, it makes two of the three cuts. It's heavy on the forward swing, but it will cut overall. Um, and so Matt got the boot. The decision was based on the loose guard, the loose wire wrapping, and the weight of the sword. And therefore, Mike wins the Air Force champion, moving on to the next round. Congratulations, Mike, and nice work. Matt on your final weapon and the other Smiths. And as as we should have said in the first wrap up, thank you all for your service. Oh yes. Yes. And um you did you did a good job. It was a different episode, you know. It didn't seem as exciting maybe as, as the first episode in the tournament, but it's still you know, the end yeah. came out pretty well. And uh yeah. So, otherwise, that was that. So yeah. We'll be watching next week when they do the next two episodes and set everybody up to get into the final, which will be a week after that. And don't forget, we have a giveaway, a breakfast giveaway. Yeah. You can get an ostrich egg, throw some beef jerky in there when you scramble that up and yeah. then dump some hot sauce on there. Beautiful. Breakfast of champions. Yeah. And then you can um, hang a knife banner as well and have a crossbow <laughs> bowl to go along with it. So, there's that. All you have to do to enter that is go to the Instagram page, find the post that says 1,000 subscriber giveaway, make sure you're following us, Hungerford Blacksmithing and Forge and Feathers, and then just hashtag F-O-T-F-G-A-W on the post, comment that, and you'll get entered into the contest. Easy. Easy peasy. 
moving on. <laughs> we will. Uh, uh, excuse me. What else? Um, thanks everybody for following us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. We appreciate all the subscribers and followers. Um, we are at Fans of the Forge on pretty much all of those platforms. And that's that. We will catch up with you next week after the next two episodes. All right. Bye-bye. See you. We would pay him in friendship, Teresa. <laughs> Like That's the gets compensation. That, he gets that for free. <laughs> That's the compensation. Oh. Or uh, make him a salad or something. I mean, a vegan pizza. Yeah. Mm. Good. Yep. Good. Sure. <laughs> That's the yes. You know, we want to hear that. You don't mean. <laughs> <laughs>